Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, good morning again. Good morning, good morning. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. Um, before I do that, hold on. I'm not going to be honest. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, are, we are on our second week of going through a sermon series in the Beatitudes where we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' main uh, sermon, big sermon that is famous and infamous. And uh, the Beatitudes is the first I don't know, 14 verses, give or take. Last week, Jared talked about being poor in spirit, and today we get to talk about mourning or sadness. So everybody get a smile on your face, because I promise it's not going to be sad or, uh, or disappointing. But here, let me, let me be honest with you for a second. I, I am not a crier. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real. Uh, I've been in, uh, in emotion or feelings groups with Ben. He can attest to this. I'm not a very emotional guy. Um, I, I just don't cry. And in fact, in the last 20 years, I can probably count all the times that I've cried. Some of you guys in here are like, yeah, me too. One, two, maybe. Um, in 2008, I lost my job of 12 years, a job that I had given everything to. Uh, I started way... Uh, out as real green, didn't know what I was doing. It was a summer job, and after 12 years, I was to take over the company. Well, if, if you know what 2008 represents, that was when the market crashed, or 2007, and I lost my job, and I lost my identity. I lost, I felt like a failure, and I remember crying, like just, just couldn't control. Um, some, some movies get me choked up a little bit. I remember, if you guys have seen The Patriot with Mel Gibson, some of you are shaking your head. If you've seen it, there's this scene towards, I don't know, three quarters of the way in where his daughter, who hasn't talked the entire movie, finally speaks to him and tells him not to go. Every time I watch it, I get choked up. Uh, it, just, it just moves me, and I, I, I cry watching that. ESPN is really good. If you're a sports guy, ESPN has these videos that they do, these montages, these five to ten minute videos of they just pull at your heartstrings. It's like some really bad situation and somebody helps them out and like everything's good and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm crying. This guy plays lacrosse and I'm just like, you know, it just doesn't matter what it is. And those, those move me. And then the last time I cried, um, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense and I'll explain it a little later, but I was driving from Memphis, this was a few months ago, from Memphis to Nashville. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, yeah, I cry every time I drive that route too, but this had nothing to do with the route. I was listening to uh, the soundtrack for the Broadway musical Hamilton, and uh, there was just, there's just this part, if you haven't listened to it, I really encourage you guys to do so, but there's this part that just brings me to tears, and I'm, just cry- I'm driving to Nashville, heading east, crying, going, what is wrong with me? Um, those moments, and, and many, many others, I'm, I'm sure, and you guys have all experienced similar things, there's this deep emotional trigger. There's something that just has caused something in my soul to hurt, to, to, to feel it. And, and as real as those feelings are, or feelings were, that 
They're nothing to the gravity and the weight of what Jesus is speaking to us about this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. See, as, as real, and some of you in this room have, have experienced sadness even this week. Like something has, has, has ripped your heart out almost, and you're, you're sad for some reason. And, and, and yet, and you, and you feel like in those moments, there's, there's nothing else that matters. Like this is it. And yet Jesus speaks to a, to a deeper, greater, more serious mourning. Because Jesus isn't talking about a, a physical sadness that is caused by circumstances or loss. Although it's related, but he's, he's speaking of a, of a spiritual sadness. A sadness that, that isn't from this world. A sadness that doesn't make a lot of sense. A sadness that, 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 that this world can't relate to. That, that this world can't cause and this world can't heal. Like, in, in our normal sadness, like in any of my situations or any loss, like time heals. Somebody comes alongside you and walks with you and that, that heals. But, but nothing in this world can heal this type of sadness that Jesus is talking about. This sadness that he's, he, he's talking about, this spiritual sadness actually leads to happiness. Now, I've entitled this sermon, Happy Are the Sad. One, because I thought it was clever. I'll pat myself on the back for that. But two, because it's, it's, it's paradoxical. It, it doesn't make any sense. And what Jesus is saying is that, is that happy are the sad because they will be comforted. It's opposite of what we know to be true, of what we think we know to be true. Think about it in those moments of sadness those moments do not lead to happiness in our, in our minds and in our heads. But that's what Jesus does. And that's what he's doing here in his teaching. Is he's flipping life on its head. He's flipping it upside down. He's flipping the norm and saying, no, 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 no. Mourning leads to happiness. You're going to be comforted. And that leads to happiness. So our big idea this morning is, is a Christian is happiest when he is the saddest. A Christian is happiest when he is saddest. And this only happens when we have a right understanding of the gospel. So there's three points this morning. And our first point this morning is, is that spiritual sadness is a result of a right understanding of the gospel. Spiritual sadness is a result of a right understanding of the gospel. This godly sorrow that, that Jesus is speaking about in our text. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Last week, Jared preached on, on blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit. By the way, uh, we, we try to record our sermons every week, so... Uh, if you miss a Sunday or if you want to go back and listen to it, you can find it on our website. You find it on other podcast websites. Um, just encouragement. I listened to it on the beach. I wasn't here this last week, but it, I was able to listen to it and hear what Jared preached on, which is very helpful since I'm following up. Um, he preached on poor in spirit. And 
a logical step then is for mourning to follow poor in spirit. Now, if you remember poor in spirit, uh, spiritual poverty, not physical poverty, but a spiritual poverty acknowledging that we have nothing to offer Jesus. We have nothing to offer God at all to the story, to the, to the, to the plan of salvation. And, 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 and Jared said last week that, that this, the, the Beatitudes, uh, is, is an announcement and an invitation. And if you didn't catch that, it's super good. The, the blessed, an announcement to his disciples, blessed to the believers, you are blessed, you are happy, happy are, this is what you look like, this is what you should look like as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of mine, and an invitation to those who are far from God to come and be part of the kingdom. So having poor in spirit or understanding poor in spirit, understanding our spiritual poverty leads to a correct view of God. It understands who we are and who God is, that God is holy, that He is just, that He is perfect. We, we, we contemplate His majesty. We, we contemplate His glory and who He is, how majestic He is, how perfect He is, how, how He is the source of good. We, we contemplate His majesty and His glory and, 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 and we consider our own inabilities. We consider our spiritual poverty. We, our, our spiritual poverty. We, we consider our limitations and, and how far we are from Him. Like how, how far He is away from us. In, 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 the, in the spectrum of good and sinful and how filthy we are as sinners and how really hopeless we are outside without Jesus. And we, we, we contemplate how He hates sin. How God hates sin. And, and Paul says in Romans 7 that there is nothing good in us in our flesh. We contemplate these things and that leads us to mourn. That leads us to sadness. That leads us to a deep, heartfelt grief. Because we can't do anything good outside of Jesus. Outside of the Spirit in us, changing us. See, when we, when we act out our sin even, when we, when we lie when we are angry for no reason, when we sin out of anger, when we, when we lust, when we covet, when we are greedy, when we are prideful, when we do the things that we don't want to do, we ask the question, why? Why do I do that? And that brings us to mourning. That brings us to sadness. That brings us to a, to a spiritual sadness that is not from this world. I'm not, I'm not crazy. This is real life. This is real followers of Jesus' experiences here. Paul asked these same questions in Romans chapter 7. Turn to, to Romans chapter 7. In Romans 7, verse 15, he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
Why do I do this? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This man is in anguish over his sin. That is where Jesus is calling us to be, to be in anguish over our sin. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This is where we find ourselves this morning. Jump down to verse 24 in Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from the body of death. Hopeless, helpless, who am I? And that brings us to tears. We mourn. We have this deep, devastating pain and sadness over our sin because there is no hope outside of Jesus. When we look to the things of this world to fix us, religion, piety, morality, those things that we think we can do to fix ourselves, those don't work. We cannot find the solution to this problem in this world. We mourn because our only hope, we're sad because our only hope, the only solution is God, and it's the Holy Spirit who reveals that to us. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals to us that Jesus is our perfect satisfaction for sin, and He alone can rescue us. David was a man, David in the Bible was a man of emotion. He understood it's okay to cry. It's probably part of my problem is I don't think it's okay to cry a lot of times. David understood. And if you turn to Psalm 130, if you got a Bible, you got a phone, flip over there. I think it'll be on the screen. I could have failed on that this week. But in Psalm 130, verse 3, David says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? In other words, how in the world can I continue going? How in the world can I continue living this way, God? If you counted our sins against us, no man would be able to stand. He understood this anguish and this this sorrow and this spiritual sadness. But in verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. See, we mourn, we're sad because of the the situation of our sin. When we act out, we have no idea why we do it, and yet we do it. And we mourn that sin. We're saddened by that sin. We're saddened by our, our flesh that tends to rule the roost, so to speak. But a good litmus test for you this morning and for me this morning, which made this week very difficult for me, and I'll just be honest, is that if I don't lament, and if I don't mourn, and if you don't mourn, and if you don't lament over your sin, there may be a problem with your heart. You may not even be a Christian, I dare say. Because Jesus is saying, this is what you do. This is what a Christian looks like. This is what a follower of Jesus looks like. He mourns over their sin. They mourn over their 
sin. There's also another reason, though, why we mourn. And that's because we realize the forgiveness that we receive through Jesus. This forgiveness that we receive through Jesus. In the, in the, the musical Hamilton, there's this song about three-quarters of the way through. It's called uh, It's Quiet Uptown. And, and if you don't know the story, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Alexander Hamilton, true story, uh, has an adulterous affair on his wife, Eliza. And in this song, this is kind of the, they've lost their son. And this is, and this is I, I don't know where it falls in the big spectrum of play terms, but um, this is a big moment. And they've moved uptown. They're no, he's no longer in politics. And um, there's this, the, the, the song begins with, there are moments that words don't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name. It's talking about this, this, this life that they're now living, two separate lives, this loss that they've experienced. And the song ends where there are moments that the, world, that the words don't reach. There is grace too powerful to name. And in between there is forgiveness. In between these two lines is forgiveness. There's grace. She's forgiven him. And this is a worldly picture of, of forgiveness and grace. But it, it moves me every time. Just reading it, I get choked up. That forgiveness and grace is this, is this powerful thing. And, and why does something like this, a silly play, move me? Because I have experienced forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ. You have experienced forgiveness and grace. When we watch things, when we hear things, when we see things, moments of this forgiveness, we are moved. Our heart is moved. We may not tear up, but we are moved by it because it's real to us. Forgiveness is real. So I can drive east towards Nashville crying, and it's okay because I've experienced forgiveness. When, when, when have you experienced forgiveness, grace, too powerful to name. I've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. If you go back to Psalm 130, verse 4, but with you there is forgiven that you may be feared. And jump down to verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and with Him is plentiful redemption. Not limited, but plentiful redemption and forgiveness. What a glorious truth. Our mourning comes from hating our sin so much. Our mourning comes from, from being forgiven. Just, just yesterday, I have two sons. And just yesterday, I had to talk with LJ, who's my youngest. Uh, him and his brother like to fight a lot. You know, crazy. And I said, I said to LJ, I said, LJ... If you start getting fire in your eyes and you start biting your lip, it might be a good time to stop. <laughs> like, let's not lash out at your brother if you're doing those two things. Like, just pull back a little bit. Take a little break. Don't act on those because that's when things go through windows and people get broken arms and welts on their legs. And you just, I have two other brothers. I experienced it growing up. But... Here's the thing. How many of us have, have, have experienced that, 
that anger so much, that this anger so much that we're, we're clenching our lips, we're biting on our lips, we want to do nothing but, but lash out, and the only option we have is tears. The only option, we get to that point where we just, we can't do anything but cry because we're completely out of control or without control and helpless. And that's where we find, or we should find ourselves in regards to our sin. No hope, is no hope outside of Jesus. Our mourning comes from being forgiven for everything, everything we have done, every sin. He does not love us any more, any less than right now in this moment. There's nothing you can do that will change that. Everything has been forgiven. Does that bring you to to tears? Does that bring you to sadness? Does that bring you to, to just uncontrolled, deep feelings? And that's where God wants us to be. He grows us out of this. He grows us in it. When Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to to the church door back in early, early Reformation times, the number one thing on on the list was that the Christian life was to be an act of repentance, a continuous act of repentance and contrition. The Christian life was to be a continuous act of repentance and contrition. I don't normally uh, quote old dead guys uh, very often because they're not Scripture, but this, he is Scripture. He is, he's not Scripture, but he is based on Scripture because the verb for mourning in this text this morning in Matthew chapter 5 is a, is a continuous action. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's not, a, it's not a mourn and then move on. It's a continuous thing. Over and over and over and over. That our life will be a life of mourning. Our life will be a life of repentance. Our lives will be a life of contrition because we are sinners in need of grace. And from that mourning, from that mourning, we will be comforted. The mourning does not come from, from looking at ourselves. It, look, it comes from looking at who God is. Remember, I started with who God is, not our sin, because His holiness is what moves us. Because we come far, far too short of His holiness. The spiritual sadness comes from, from looking at God who alone forgives us and removes our sin. Our happiness does not come from the morning, but it comes from the forgiveness that we receive. We are comforted in that. So not only is spiritual sadness a result of a right understanding of the gospel, but spiritual sadness is not an outward display of gloominess and fake puritanism. For us, the temptation here, those of us who are rule followers, and we tend to be to live the religious slash morality line, the temptation here is to say, oh, okay, well, I just need to, to be gloomy. I just need to be mourning. I just need to be sad because of my sin. 
But the sadness that Jesus is talking about is not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can just do. We can present that to people, sure, but it's not real. What Jesus is talking about is a spiritual sadness that comes from a spiritual act of of God's grace upon our lives. It cannot be manufactured. It is either real or not. It is either true in your life or it is not true in your life. This mourning, this spiritual sadness that that you experience. There's no fakeness here. There's no, uh, I'm going to present this to you so that you think that I am gloomy and mournful and sad because of my sin. No, it is either Jesus' work on you and your life and the Spirit in you or it is not. Black and white. I use the word fake Puritanism because the Puritans were known for, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them were known for this, uh, this piety that, that they, they presented that, that life is too serious to have fun mentality. Life is too serious, so we wear dark colors, we kind of uh, roam the, 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 the grounds, kind of not slowly, but just kind of, uh, you know, it's a sad life, you know, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Uh, it's really tough. And, and they had this, 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 pres- this presentation of, of how, how sinful they are, basically. And, and there, there's some truth to that, and we'll get to that in, in just a few minutes. But, but there, there were also a lot of fakeness to that. And, and this sadness is not this fake Puritanism where, where we can just manufacture or present something to one another that we are sinful and we're really sad about it. Because there's so much more to it. And if we do that, if we, if we try to present that to, to the world around us or to one another, the church, then our focus is on ourselves. Our focus is not on God. We, we are living and making decisions for ourselves and not what Jesus has called us to do. And that's what Jesus does here is he's rocking the world. He's rocking our world. He's called us to something more. We are, if, we, if we try to present this fake Puritanism in our life, how sinful we are and how sad it is, and just, it's just t- so tough, then we're focused on, is, is on our appearance, it's on our prestige, it's on our standing. And you, 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 we've missed the boat. We've missed the, the holiness that God has called us to. The, we've missed the sensitivity to sin that He is speaking of here. If your main focus is to appear holy, then to be holy, then you probably lack that sensitivity to sin. And if we have no sensitivity to sin, then we probably have no Jesus. Where is your sensitivity this morning? Where, where is your sensitivity to sin this morning? Now the opposite of this fake Puritanism is, is this everything is great blessed crowd. Rainbows, unicorns, sugar, gold brick, sidewalks, joy. 
There's no struggles. There's never any sorrow. The appearance of perfection. Because, because we're Jesus followers, therefore, and Jesus was perfect, therefore, I need to present this, this presentation of everything is great and happy and joyful because a Christian life is to be a life of joy. Well, that's just as bad as the fake puritanism, as the, 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 the fake sorrow. Because again, you're living for yourself. And, and today's world, especially in the American church, we are filled, our churches are filled with people like this. We don't see the fake puritanism too much. When we do, they stand out. But we see this a lot. And life is too hard. Jesus promised us suffering. He promised that life would be difficult. He promised that things would be hard. And when we present a false picture of the Christian life, when we present a false picture of what Jesus has done in our life and how we're walking this out, we rob God of glory. We rob God of glory. Glory to shine in the midst of hardship. Glory of joy that isn't determined by our circumstances, but is determined by something that Jesus has done in our lives. We rob Him the glory that shows that there's better than this world. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We also give, give people, if, we, if we're living this out, we give people this unrealistic life. See, follow Jesus and everything's going to be perfect. Follow Jesus and you're going to be just like me. Follow Jesus and you're going to be happy and you're going to have the house you want and this you want and this you want because Jesus is great. Jesus is great, but that's not what he promises in his, Bible, in his word. And that's the reality. We've had two, two uh, uh, famous people committing suicide in the last week. If we're presenting this to unbelievers, to people who are far from God, if we're presenting this unrealistic view of what Christianity is like, and the only hope for this world is Jesus, and we're presenting something that is unrealistic, it's no wonder their only hope is death. That's hard, but that's true. I'm saddened by people who think that their only hope is to give up their life. It's sad. It's very sad. We are robbing God of glory and we're also giving unrealistic life picture of what following Jesus is like. Jesus is the only hope and he can, he can help you. He can help the hurt. He heals the hurt and the brokenhearted. But finally, our third point this morning, spiritual sadness is a serious and deliberate love of God and His ways. Spiritual sadness is a serious and deliberate love of God and His ways. So, we've talked about what it's not. We've talked about having a real understanding of the gospel. Understanding that we are poor in spirit, we are sinful, need of rescuing, need of salvation, and our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is Jesus. And now, what does it look like then? So, okay, Chris, I hear you. My life
is to, is to be a, a, a life of mourning. But what does that look like in 2018? Well, let's talk about it. The way to happiness, because the word blessed is translated happy. The way to happiness is, is not by ignoring sin. It's, it's not by, by ignoring sin. It's not by having the appearance of mourning. And it's not by having the appearance of all-time joy. The way to happiness is by acknowledging sin, weeping over it, crying out over it, what a wretched man I am, as Paul said in Romans chapter 7. See, see mourning, spiritual sadness, godly sorrow leads to repentance, to acknowledging that I cannot continue down this path that I'm going on. I, I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. Mourning leads to repentance and repentance leads to confession. We confess our sins. Confession leads to obedience. We follow out the commands of Jesus. We walk in obedience. And obedience leads to joy and happiness. And happiness leads to comfort. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. There's a seriousness to, to the Christian. There's a seriousness to the Christian who, who mourns over their sin. Does that mean we mourn? We walk down the street and go, oh, did it again. And we just let everybody know? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. But there is a seriousness. We do not. A, a, a Christian does not entertain sin. He does not allow it to continue. See, when we entertain sin and we, we allow it to continue, we're, we're living for ourselves and we're missing the call that Jesus has. A, a Christian does not ignore sin. Does not, he does not ignore it either. It does not mean that, that walking in, in, in a serious... Uh, gloominess or, or melancholy even. It, 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 it does not mean that. It means that we don't love sin. Simple. We don't love sin. We hate sin because Jesus hates sin. Because God hates sin. Because Jesus died for our sins. We don't love sin. Now some of us love sin in this room. Probably a lot of us do. And that's just, that's fact. But a follower of Jesus, somebody who's truly been born again, whose life has been changed, whose heart of stone has been made a heart of flesh, that person does not love sin. When we hold on to sin, when we treasure sin, when we, when we don't confess sin, it freezes us and our hearts. And we don't want Jesus. We want ourselves and we want that sin. That love of sin can, can lead to despair in our lives. We start believing things like God doesn't love us anymore. He's, he's, he's distant. He's too far. He doesn't love us anymore because this, that, and the other. There's this despair. We, we, we live out that hopelessness. A serious, a, a Christian doesn't love sin 
but he also doesn't hide it. He also doesn't hide sin. We confess sin. We live in community. We live together. See, when we hide it, we think that it's not worth it. There's no reason to, to confess. There's no, there's no reason to repent. If, if, if we think that, if we think that that's the solution, is we can just ignore it, we can just hide it, we can just put it behind, and we think that's, the, that, that's, that's it, then, then you're like a doctor who, who is treating cancer as if that cancer was a cold. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. The doctor has what he needs. He has the training, but he's choosing to treat it with some Tylenol and some sleep when he's got a tumor that is eating away the inside of his life, inside of his body. We cannot ignore it. We cannot hide it. We don't love it, but we also don't put it off. We don't procrastinate this sin. We, we don't say, someday I'll deal with my sin. I'll confess and ask God's forgiveness. Not, not now. Guys, we aren't promised tomorrow, first of all. We're not promised tomorrow. And comfort, the happiness, doesn't come without mourning. It does not come without the mourning over our sin. So the sooner the confession, the sooner the mourning, the sooner the comfort, the forgiveness, the joy, the happiness that we receive. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to His holiness. Don't look, don't look to the solution that you think you could come up with in this world. There is nothing that will fix you in this world. Nothing that you can do except confess and mourn over your sin. Look to Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross. See, He, he came to earth. Jesus came to earth. He took on limitations. He took on the, the, the feelings, the physical feelings of being a human being. He took on sadness. He experienced, he wept, he cried, he mourned over the sin of the people. He gave up everything. And he lived a perfect life in order that you can be forgiven this morning in order that you can have a, a godly, spirit-led cry session this morning. If, if, if looking to Jesus, if looking at the cross does not lead you to mourning over your sin, then, then nothing will soften the hardness of your heart this morning. This morning could be the first time that you've experienced a spiritual sadness. And I pray that it is. I pray that we, we experience that with you. And that, that sadness that you're feeling, that, that brokenness that you're feeling can lead to pure happiness, to being comforted, being forgiven. I'm going read to a, read a prayer this morning from a Puritan prayer book. Some really good stuff. 
Listen to these words. And, and as, I, as I read this, just thinking about, listen to what I, what I read. Put the picture in your head. Listen to what God is saying to you. Is He speaking to you this morning? Before Thy cross I kneel and see the heinousness of my sin. My iniquity that caused Thee to be made a curse. The evil that excites the severity of divine wrath. Show me the enormity of my guilt by the crown of thorns, the pierced hands and feet, the bruised body, the dying cries. Thy blood is the blood of incarnate God, its worth infinite, its value beyond all thought. Infinite must be the evil and guilt that demands such a price. Sin is my milady, my monster, my foe, my viper, born in my birth, alive in my life, strong in my character, dominating my faculties, following me as a shadow, intermingling with my every thought, my chain that holds me captive in the empire of my soul. Sinner that I am, why should the sun give me light, the air supply breath, the earth bear my tread, its fruits nourish me, its creatures subserve my ends, yet they compass- thy compassions yearn over me. Thy heart hastens to my rescue. Thy love endured my curse. Thy mercy bore my deserved stripes. Let me walk humbly in the lowest depths of humiliation, bathe in thy blood, tender of conscience, triumphing gloriously as an heir of salvation. Mercy Hill Church, fellow Christians, followers of Jesus, may we be the happiest of people. May we be the happiest of people because we are the saddest. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Because Jesus did the final work for us this morning. And Jesus is calling us, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. um, And we're going to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross together. The bread represents his body that was broken for you and for me on the cross, that was put on the cross, hung on a cross, hung there until he died. The juice represents his blood that was spilled out for our sins, that washed us white. Scripture says, washed us white as snow, cleansed us of our sin, took that hopelessness away. And we break the bread, we tear off a portion, and we dip it in the juice. We, we, we do this as followers of Jesus to celebrate what he's done for you and for me. So I'm going to invite you, I'm going to pray quickly, and I'm going to invite you guys to come as you feel led. There is a seriousness to this. Not because it's a, it's a, 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 a spiritual activity, but it, it is for believers, for followers of Jesus. If you know Jesus, come. But there's also a seriousness to our text this morning. That if you're not feeling that sadness, examine your heart. Ask God, why? Why am I not feeling it? What is it in me that's not happening? What do I need, Jesus? 
and ask, and he will answer you this morning. Examine your hearts before you come to the table, and then come as you feel led. Let me pray for us. Ask the band to come up, and as as they're getting situated, I'm going to pray. Father, we... Words can't describe the love that you've shown us through your son Jesus. Words can't describe the grace that you've shown us. Words can't describe the sacrifice you made for us. I pray, God, that this morning our lives would be lives of obedience. We lives of of repentance, lives of confession, lives of obedience, and lives of joy. We've experienced your saving grace this morning. God, we pray that you would receive, that you would receive all glory and honor for your work this morning through your people and in your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.